Jen, welcome to Future Speak. How do you think we need to evolve in terms of empowerment over the coming months and years? But start to notice the triggers you have because most people think their judgments are true. Jen, welcome to Future Speak. I have just been oh, so excited to have you on. I cannot tell you. Just for people to hear your story and hear who you are and your take on the future of work. There's no one better that can introduce you than you introducing yourself. So I'm going to hand over to you. Well, Sam, do you want me to do an interpretive dance or kidding? kidding. Well, I'm hey, so excited I mean, to be here too, because I think you're brilliant. And anything that I can do to, I don't know, be around you and in your world, I'm happy to do that and happy to have this conversation. Um Introduction. So I have a background in politics. I'm here in the States. I have a background in politics. I worked in politics for almost 30 years. And at the same time, I was coaching people for a big coaching company. And around six years ago, I was laid off from my fourth job while I was writing my first book and kind of had this aha moment where I realized there was something bigger and politics wasn't cutting it. And what I always loved to do was to coach leaders and see women succeed at the level of leader, leadership when they get to what we call the C-suite in the States or like the executive level, because there's so few men at that level. And so often as women, we don't feel like we can combine our femininity with leadership. And in fact, I have clients who have told me if they ever wore makeup into the office or dressed nice, these are in the STEM world, mm. the guys would question, do they have a date or are they going for a job interview? So I became very passionate about coaching women leaders, particularly those that deal with self-doubt, what many refer to as imposter syndrome, because I dealt with it myself. When I hung out my own shingle to go into my own coaching practice, I was kind of like, oh, you know, is anyone going to listen to me? Yes, I've been coaching for a long time, but I've been connected with this very well-known company. And will anybody listen to me? Will anybody pay attention? Do I have anything to say? And I've been very successful over the last six years, so I think it's all a yes, but I've gone through my own ups and downs and ins and outs leading in this um, ever-changing world that we've had, pandemic, you know, the future of work, future speak, the future of work, the great resignation, and looking at how we can, how leaders can empower their team members to really feel like they're making a difference at work, which I think the whole pandemic made all of us rethink what we value, how we balance personal and, and home or personal life and work life. And who are we when we're at work and what kind of contribution can we make? So I'm a coach, I'm an author, and I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, when I get the chance, I go out and perform. And um, yeah, so and I'm just happy to be here. Jen, thank you. See, told you you do a better job than I would. Interestingly, just before uh, we started to record this show today, we were talking about the great resignation. I'd love to you, for you to go over some of the anecdotes you mentioned because you made some really valid points. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, when I first started hearing this word, I thought to myself, what are people talking about? So, of course, I had to go figure it out because I have good friends who are also coaches who are helping companies figure out hybrid workplaces 
and uh, employee engagement and things like that. But it just really struck me, Sam, yes, COVID made us rethink. People are working at home. They began to think about the amount of time they spent driving into the office. Do we need FaceTime at the office? You know, do we have to be there? Wow, we can actually get work done on Zoom. How do we balance personal life, work life? What's important to me? I think this whole thing made all of us think about what's important to us. And you know, part of my personal story of being diagnosed with breast cancer during the pandemic, that resulted in me buying a condo. I'm moving next month to be able to be close to the water because that's what's important to me. Mm -hmm. So the, the box of pressure that we felt ourselves in had everybody rethink this. Okay. Totally understand that people may want to leave their jobs and go pursue their dreams. Completely understand that. But then there's all the other people who are leaving for a variety of, of, of reasons. But a hybrid workspace, while it may be a Band-Aid, my question is, why isn't the company looking at their own corporate values and how they empower and value their employees and how people are contributing? And are is each and every employee working in their zone of genius, working in their zone of strengths? And of course, I use Clifton Strengths as my assessment. Mm with my clients. And then I work with those leaders and their teams to build strengths-based cultures because building a strengths-based culture increases employee engagement by 23%. Wow. And when managers are managing their employees with a strengths lens, which I really feel takes things out of the personal into the professional, but when they view and manage their employees with a strengths-based lens, it reduces employee disengagement to an astonishingly low 1%. So it just got me thinking about, it's great you want to put Band-Aids on. It's great you're, it's almost like you know, we are, we're responding to something, but what are you going to do long-term to make sure it never happens again? It's really interesting. You should say that actually, because one of the things that's really frustrating me right now is when you hear particularly certain business leaders say, I can't wait till we go back to how it used to be. And I will always pick them up, not in, in a negative way, but ask them to look at what they've just said. You have just said to me, I can't wait till we go back, not forward. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with you. I think... Why people keep saying that is it feels safe. Mm. It feels predictable. And if one thing, there's one thing human beings can't be with is uncertainty. But Buddha says the highest level of consciousness is when you are actually willing to be uncertain. Yeah. So the brain of the human that you are and that I am, its job is to keep us alive. And it's done a great job for 40,000 years. That's why we're here and Cave woman, buggada, 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 isn't, right? She, she got eaten by the thing. And the brain's constantly predicting outcomes. So it always wants to keep us safe. And I think that phrase, if I can't wait till we go back, how long, there was polls on LinkedIn, how long before we'll go back to normal? There is no going back, as you said. I think it's all lessons we want to learn about what wasn't working that we were unwilling to see the seeing of which is now going to make a huge difference if we're willing to see 
what we'd been blind to previously. I mean, we can make that connection to um, race relations in the U.S. and around the world, and but particularly George Floyd and what happened here yeah. in the United States. What weren't we willing to see that we're now seeing? Are we going to let that one event go by the wayside? Are we going to, which we didn't, but some have, but are we going to let this, this event, this major event called the pandemic, not allow us to learn and grow how to move forward? But I think it's because the brain loves prediction. And that's why people, it's all, almost like an automatic reaction to, in a sense, the brain being frightened. But I'll say one more thing, which is the brain can't tell the difference between reality and fiction. Mm-hmm. Neuroscience tells us this. The brain's never dealing with reality, always through a viewpoint that it has. And that viewpoint is, om- is always from keeping us safe. Absolutely. And as we all know, we're now living in a world of unknowns and we will continue to live in a world of unknowns. And personally, I hope that the amount of judgment that we have around us right now, um, it will never cease, right? We'll never get rid of judgment, full stop. It goes back to bias. It goes back to prejudices that we all have to a certain degree. But I know that you have a, a huge bent towards empowerment, and that's what you've done with so many people over the last six years plus, both in terms of your personal life with, with you know, your comedic career, the books you've written and everything else. How do you think we need to evolve in terms of empowerment over the coming months and years? Oh, that's such a good question. I think one thing to think about is to start noticing the triggers we have. Yeah. Because... W- so the, the, the brain, the average brain has 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. 95% are repetitive. 85% are negative. We really don't stand a chance of feeling empowered in a sense. So first of all, take the case you're starting at zero. You know, that's why they say you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, it's because your brain was probably either you had a bad dream. I don't know, or your brain was processing something when you, when you got up. But start to notice the triggers you have, what's triggering you, and notice that you're triggered. Mm -hmm. Notice that you're having those judgments because most people think their judgments are true. But the judgments we have are based on, as you said, bias or unconscious bias, the way we've been raised, what we've been taught, what we've seen on TV, the messages that we're absorbing. None of that is rigid, you know, like a thing, like I'm looking at my desk, like my watch, which I took off because it makes noise is a thing we can, you know, it's real in reality. Our judgments aren't real. We think the judgments and perceptions and viewpoints we have about others are true, Mm. but they're simply based on an interpretation of our brain trying to keep us safe. So number one, start to notice the triggers you, triggers you have, the judgments you have, perceptions you have, as themselves. Oh, wow. You know, um, you know, going to walk across the street. I live on a very busy road and the light, I swear, Sam is like 20 seconds long. And if you are not right there, ready to walk across the street and cars blow through the yellow light all the time. Wow. And so from time to time, cars will, you know, where the, where the walkway is, cars will stop short. Right. And, and just be right there. And I always have all kinds of judgments about, 
idiot, not paying attention, et cetera. Those are automatic. Huh. It's not true. The person's an idiot. The facts are the car's close to the walkway. Okay. Deal with it to myself. Walk farther away from the car. They're stopped. It's not a problem. And that's a very minor thing, but, uh, you know, at work, as you're interacting with people, notice how you're listening to them. In other words, as they're speaking or before they even begin to speak, you're in a meeting and someone's raising their hand to say they want to speak. And already you have all your thoughts about past experiences, either good or bad, but you're not interacting with this human in front of you from a space of nothing. You already are coming from some, some framework, something you're standing on to be empowered. It's important for us to be present because when we're present, we have presence presence of what? Presence of mind to think clearly, presence of of body to embody the kind of leader we want to be, presence of soul to speak our truth, and presence of spirit to move through us. You could call it God, Bob, your dog. I don't care, but it's being able to be so present. You can hear those gentle nudges from the universe that are sending you in certain directions. When we're not present, all we're embroiled in is a bunch of mostly negative thoughts about other people and situations. What if each of us took the case? You know what? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna listen for gold in what mm. people are saying. I had a, a friend when he married his wife, and they've been married I don't know 25, 30 years. One of his vows was never to know her, oh. and it was. Right. It was weird at first to hear that, but what he meant by that was, I'm going to keep letting go of my perceptions of you. Oh, you didn't put the milk away? That must mean you don't care about me. You don't have almond milk in the refrigerator. That must mean you don't care about me. No, I'm going to vow never to know you. Keep noticing my already there perceptions about you and let them go. That applies to work too. That applies to yourself. Wow. And the way to give ourselves power is to be present Because when we're present, we have a chance of being able to create how we want to show up, which is that other 15% of our brain that rarely gets used. Do you know that I love that? I think I'm going to park that and remember that, you know, I vow never to know you. And it's even stronger than that sense of, or that other phrase of, I want you to listen but I want you to listen without judgment and not to respond. Yeah, I think I think the other the other piece of that because I feel like when you say I want you to listen but without judgment and don't respond, there's already a layering you're putting yeah. on, right? And yeah. you're not both coming to this from a clean slate. That's why I often use the phrase "listen for the gold." One of the things I've learned the last two years, and it was it was talking to a business owner in Egypt that we did some work with, and she made a valid point. Pre-pandemic, would I have met her uh, through LinkedIn and at a course? Would I have then um, thought about working together? The answer is I don't know. But her perception was probably not. Mine is I don't know. And I love that about the positive side, if you if you will, over the last couple of years, that those boundaries, those borders have been removed. And I so hope that we continue to see these relationships flourish. And one of the things that's certainly coming out um, 
from interviews with my other guests is collaboration and the power of that, both now and in the future. One other thought I had when you were speaking too is with this idea of having uh, virtual workplaces, it has opened up possibilities. Talk about collaboration has opened up possibilities to work with a more neuro, neurodiverse population. Yeah, there are people who have agoraphobia that can't leave their home uh, to go to an office space. But guess what? They could now have a job because people are working virtually, or people that have high anxiety and need to feel like they're in a safe space. Because I had a client this way, and she was the one who pointed it out to me. And they all, we all have value, right, mm-hmm. to, to bring. But, so I think you're opening up the kinds of people you're collaborating with. There, there is a, um, uh, I don't know what the, the right word is, but there's a, a wider range of people that you can work with because you don't expect people to be, well, I really need you to be for me here in the DMV, the District, Maryland, or Virginia area, because we've got to do this in person. Mm. Well, if we're doing this virtually, then I can call on you to come in and do an hour during a full day workshop that I'm doing or someone else who lives in Switzerland. There's so many more opportunities and so many more possibilities. And that lady who said she wasn't sure, that's what I always say, that's her stuff. Mm. You know, yeah, that's totally her stuff. And her own doubts about herself has nothing to do with you. Mm. It's, it's interesting though, isn't it? it and, and that's what I'm really excited about. I mean, eight, I'm based currently in the UK, but 80% of my time is spent with clients, colleagues and friends across the pond in the US. It's given me that, that opportunity to be able to do that. Part of the challenge I see is over the, you know, um, coming years, being able to keep up with technology um, as it changes, we, we all will because we, we've all learned new things. But um, there could be such a diversity of platforms where you choose to meet someone could be really interesting. <laughs> I, I just want one platform to manage my relationships with people. Mm. I want the simplest thing ever. And I found something for a hundred bucks. Wow. which is brilliant. And that's what I'm using. I don't need it to have to do this, that, or the other thing. I also think I'm jealous that you're in the UK because that's where I'd prefer to be overseas than here in the States. But there's um, there's this program I've been really, really wanting to do called Remote Year, where you spend a year, a month in different cities, and you just have to get yourself to the first city. And then you live in these re- like Croatia or Bulgaria oh, wow. or really interesting cities and you have 24 access to work remotely. And I think it's like 2000, I don't know what that is in pounds to have a place to live and, and they'll transport you from place to place. And then you buy your own food and you get to meet all these great people. I'm like, oh my God, what a great way to experience the world. That's amazing. It's on my bucket list. I think I'm going to have to add it to mine. And can you imagine what new roles and jobs will come out of just that freedom to work anywhere and see new cultures. Absolutely. And I think too, it's a way of us, um, you know, again, I'm only thinking from being in the US, but there's a lot of people, I feel like people in Europe and elsewhere travel a lot more and go outside the borders of their own country than we do in the States. We go outside of our state to see different things, 
But, you know, I've been to 16 countries and I feel like that's not a lot or not enough. I have a friend who's been to 34 and we are definitely the outlier. You know, people maybe have been to, let's say, the UK or they've been to France, kind of the that area of the world, but not many people have been to Estonia or South America, Central America, and coming across these different experiences and meeting different people and understanding that different people have different views on how to work or how they engage with one another, I think just makes us that much more enriched in our own personal development and growth. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if I was to ask you what you see as um, a challenge that's on the horizon with what you're seeing, particularly when you're doing your, with your leadership coaching hat on, what concerns you about what you're seeing right now? Well, I think there can be, there, there could, there could become, I'm not speaking very well, but you get what I'm saying. There might be a disparity between people who feel comfortable going into the office or want to work virtually. And then the office says, no, we're now going back and you need to be here. And how do you allow for that single mom with a kiddo? I'm thinking of one of my clients who has an eight-year-old at home. Um, And, you know, even with schools, we started schools here in Maryland and we had two snowstorms back to back and then COVID was rampant and they had to shut them down. So I think um, one of the challenges is still being able to be flexible Mm. and moving with all the moving parts that are happening around the future of work and health and taking care of people. And I think leaders have have to continue to be on the creative edge, not mm. the cutting edge, but the creative edge of really being willing to just kind of throw up all everything and start over. I don't mean throw out their company. I mean, really just sit down and go, okay, let me take some time to think about how the company's structured and what our expectations are of people coming into the office. So one is the flexibility. Two, I think most leaders that I come across and you probably have the same thing. They're so busy putting out fires. Yeah. They're not taking time for strategy. They're not taking time to be still. They're not taking time to think. They're not taking time to be in silence. Mm -hmm. And that is so necessary, one, to recharge your own batteries, but two, that's where your best ideas are going to come up. Yeah. Yeah. It's where's your best idea? It's in the shower or it's when you're walking or it's that really annoying one when it's three o'clock in the morning and you're trying to find your pad and you can't and then the idea is gone. Yep. <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah. So if I was to say to you, what three things would you want people to leave our conversation with today? What would the takeaways be that you'd want people to leave with today? Mm, that's so good. Um, I think number one, that you can choose how you're going to respond to any situation. That's what I call response ability. Mm-hmm. Are you going to, are you going to respond from being triggered from your judgments and viewpoints? Or if what you're committed to as a leader is being compassionate mm-hmm. or being curious, you have an opportunity here to bring curiosity, to bring compassion, to bring joy and really light up another person's world, right? That's number one is you have, you can be responsible for, your actions and your choices. I think number two is to stay flexible. 
when we become rigid, we stop the flow of ideas. When we're flexible, open, discovering new ideas will come our way and we can rethink everything. We can actually throw the bathwater out. Like I said, don't, don't, you know, jettison your company, but maybe it's time to rethink how you do business and mm -hmm. that's okay. Reinvention is okay. And the third piece is please, 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 please block out time in your calendar to be still, to think at least three hours a week. They don't have to be three consecutive hours, but you know, half an hour a day of just staring out the window. Yeah. No checking your phone, no technology, nothing like that. Just being still and thinking. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And Jen, I have one really important question for you. You ready? Yes. Yes. If you had to go to an island tomorrow and you were only allowed to take one thing with you, what would you take? Only allowed to take one thing with me, like one person or one thing, like Good an item? Good question. Well, it could be either. Okay. I would take my best friend because she's hilarious. We've known each other like 30 years. And when we're 95, we're going to be in the same old age home, drinking scotch, smoking like filterless cigarettes and, you know, not being able to hear each other and our mem memories will have gone. But she's a great travel partner. Sounds awesome to me. And in fact, I might just, you know, bunk up next to you on that one. Hey, Azores is where I would go if I went to an island off the coast of Portugal. Nice. L beautiful. I haven't been there, but I've been to um, Wine Island many, many years ago. My goodness, it was just glorious. Oh, wonderful. Loved I should have said I would take you with me because that would be fun too. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Maybe I'd come in her suitcase. <laughs> there you go. We'll get the big suitcases. You're, you're pretty small, so you can fit in. Oh, I don't know fine. for sure because I only see you on Zoom, but you seem like a smaller stature person. <laughs> yeah, five foot three. Uh, big personality though. Hey, I'm five foot 10. When everyone meets me, they're like, you're so tall. You look so small on Zoom. And I just never get that. I'm like, I'm sitting down. Like, what? What do you? <laughs> I'm sitting down just like you. <laughs> I know. We, we're the same size right now. That's it. <laughs> I love that. Mm. Oh, Jen, thank you so much for your time, your energy and your enthusiasm today. I just love our conversations. Um, and I hope just the sheer joy of this conversation has come across for everybody. Thank you. And I will see you very soon. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for listening to Future Speak today. For more of our content, please do head over to our YouTube channel and you can watch and listen to more of our content there.